thank you for the creed. Thank you for all those that held fast to it throughout the centuries and the millennia. It's different heresies, different assaults on the truth came and were met with your truth. Thank you, God, for those who suffered and bled and died to be able to hand to us the Bible as we have today, the word of life. Lord, as we study it, may it be so brought alive to our hearts that we would be faithful stewards and standard bearers of your truth. That we might be able to hand it to the next generation. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two-thirds of the way through the creed. We never thought we'd get here. We're entering the last set of statements in the creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then all of these other statements that follow. And it's interesting because what seem to be isolated statements, right? I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. It's like they didn't know where to stick it, so they stuffed it all together in the end and had to say it all. Not the case. Believe it or not, there is order and there is a reason for why it's there. And it all relates to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, none of that that follows happens. We're not going to get through all of that today. <laughs> We're going to look at the Holy Spirit um, you know, very briefly on one Sunday. Okay, We're going to look at some of the, the ways that he's at work in our lives and how he helps us this side of glory. Um, and then in the weeks to come, we're going to look at each one of those statements in greater depth. So let me start by saying this. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot know Christ. Jesus went to the Father and ascended so that the Holy Spirit could come to us. We can know about Jesus, we can read God's word, we can read about his life, we can read about what he stood for, we can read the gospel, but it is the spirit that quickens that in our hearts, that reveals the truth to us, and brings us to a place of being convicted enough that we are willing to repent, go 180 degrees in the opposite direction, and follow Jesus Christ with all that we are and all that we have. And without the Holy Spirit, that doesn't happen. The Holy Spirit opens our hearts. The Holy Spirit exposes the thoughts and intents of our hearts, convicts us, calls us, and draws us. So without the Holy Spirit, we can't know Jesus. So our response to this gospel and our understanding of Christian truth as found in God's word is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Spirit convicts us of the truth of God's Word and teaches us to call on Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is the one that animates our dead hearts. 
so that they can actually respond to the word of God. Have you ever prayed for someone to come to faith in Christ? And you've maybe even shared the gospel with them and laid it out for them. That's your step. Your step is obedience. That's our step, is to open the word, to declare the truth to them. But no amount of empirical convincing on our part is going to draw someone's heart darkened by sin into a spiritual transactional relationship with the living God through the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Our preaching is part of it. Our living it and walking it out is part of it. But it's the Holy Spirit that provides that catalyst of change in people's lives. So no one can make that fundamental Christian confession, Jesus is Lord, without the work of the Holy Spirit. Some other things that we learn about the Holy Spirit in Scripture. The witness of the Spirit with ours. Have you ever wondered, am I actually saved? Am I truly saved? Did that prayer work? (laughs) Right? I don't know. Have you ever doubted your salvation? Have you ever gone through periods of time in your life where you wondered? I did, especially as a teenager. You know, I I remember going to my pastor, uh, Andrew Osmond, over in Chester, and we worked on the breaks on his sob together. And he's like, what's, what's under your skin? I can tell something's wrong. And I was really wondering about my salvation and doubting it. You know, did I really do it? Am I actually saved? I think I was 12 or 13 years old. And he showed me in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the Lord's. The Holy Spirit is the deposit, the down payment on what is to come. It's the seal of redemption. If you uh, recall when there's a baptism, people are, you know, they go under the water or they're sprinkled or whatever the case may be. And then we talk about the seal of redemption. You are marked as Christ's own forever. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's not just made up words. It's in the scriptures. I'm going to show you where. Uh, If you turn over to Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, it's well worth the look if you have your Bible or your phone. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Holy Spirit recognizes your spirit and bears witness that you are in the family of God and joint heirs with Christ. So it's not just a wonderment and a hope. 
gee, I hope when I die, I see the good guy, not the bad one. <laughs> As one farmer said to me one time, I think I might get the green light. I've done enough good things. You can have the assurance of salvation because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. And when that happens, it gives you such confidence and boldness to live in the way that God is calling you to live and walk the steps that he is asking you to walk because you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Most High God is with you, he will never leave you, and that you are eternally and forever secure with him. It's the guarantee of our inheritance. 2 Corinthians 5.5 5 is another good place to look at this. If you want to Take a spin over there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. This is talking about if our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. It's not talking about your house, it's talking about your body, right? So Someday this body's going to die, but my spirit has a home with the Lord until I get my resurrected body. It says here, verse 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. It's a guarantee. It's a deposit of what is to come. The Holy Spirit also equips us for service. And this is the part of the, the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit that often is focused on the most in churches. Um, this is the equipping us, the saints, for the work of service. The gifts of grace, the charismata. Okay? Um, these gifts are all empowered by the one and the same Spirit, as Scripture says, and gives to each one individually as he wills for the common good. So the Holy Spirit also serves the purpose of equipping and empowering each one of you, each one of us, with gifts for the furthering of the kingdom of God and the building up of the body of Christ. If you don't know what your gift is, or what your gifts are, or which ones the Lord is asking you to use in this season of your life, seek it out. Look at these scriptures that we're about to look at together. Pray. If you have questions, come and ask me. Come and talk to another person in the church that you respect their, their faith walk or whatever. And, and seek the Lord. He will reveal to you what your gifts and callings are. So let's look at these together. Because these are important for us to pay attention to. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit... There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one 
is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions each one individually as he wills. We are equipped for our common life together as the body of Christ by the Spirit. The Spirit gives the body everything that the body needs to fulfill its mission to walk in holiness and to reach out to the world the way that it's called to. And we can be confident that by the Holy Spirit, He's going to provide for the health of the body where we will use what He gives us. So these gifts are for us. They're for the church. They're for the building up of the body of Christ and for the edification of the body. If the body is healthy, it will grow. If the body is using these gifts, the kingdom of God is going to be expanded. The church would not have been able to be launched if it were not for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, there's a wonderful quote from the prophet Joel. Here's what it says. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. You see, up until then, you look at the Old Testament, up until Jesus had ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit was poured out and removed in special dispensations all throughout the Old Testament. Certain people received the Holy Spirit for the purpose of what they were called to do. And then, you know, the case in point, you know, is uh, Elisha and Elijah, right? Elijah preceded Elisha, and then Elisha was granted a double portion of God's spirit, of God's empowerment that Elijah had. It was passed from one to the next, and it was placed, that anointing was placed where God wanted it. And then the prophet Joel is prophesying that, however, in the last days, the spirit is going to be poured on all flesh. That's all of us. We are not excluded from this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because Christ went to the Father, because he sent the Holy Spirit, that power of God is available to us for the completion of his call in our lives. The word in the original language is actually dunamis. It refers to dynamite power. It's pretty cool. Anybody ever played with dynamite? Someone must have, right? No? no? All right. I haven't either. Uh, but it's powerful, right? It's explosive. It can do things. 
It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Do you believe that God is still performing miracles? Still today. Like the ones we see and read about in Scripture, or is he all done? Are we following a God who used to do amazing things? Or are we following a God who is still moving and working in power? The promise is for all of us. Whomever the Lord our God shall call, it says in Acts. So we live in a time frame where the Holy Spirit is freely given in power to all who ask. Jesus knew that we would need this power and this fire of the Holy Spirit to walk with him in this world. He didn't intend for us to live this life and walk this walk without it. The gospel lesson today points out the Father gives the good gift of the Holy Spirit to those who asked. Do you believe that God by his Spirit wants to bring revival amongst us and revival to New England? I do. With repentance and the fire of the Holy Spirit comes that revival. One other aspect of the Holy Spirit that I want to talk about with you as a, a high overview today is the revealer of truth. Okay, um, John chapter 16. If you turn there, you'll be able to read it with your own eyes too. John chapter 16. And it's verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. See, the Holy Spirit is fully God, just as Christ is, just as God the Father. Our Trinitarian understanding of the Godhead means that the spirit isn't just some thing that God sends. The Spirit is God. And just as Jesus only saw and did the things that he saw and heard his Father engaging in and saying, so the Holy Spirit is not going to go rogue. <laughs> the Holy Spirit speaks from the heart of God because he is God. And so what the Holy Spirit reveals to us and works in us is God's purpose, truth, and message for and through us at this time. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot know the truth, and we can be led astray. You ever been fooled? You ever been led astray? You ever been tricked? Right? Fake car warranties. I got fooled sending money in Venmo to some person that I thought was going to send my son a tree climbing harness. It was a scam. Lost it. What are you going to do? You know? We hate getting fooled. At least I do. I don't like to be deceived. You know? We need the Holy Spirit to know what the truth is. If truth comes from God, the origin, the author of all truth is God then we better know God and we better know what he says. And the way that we know God and the way that what he says is enlivened to our hearts is through the Holy Spirit. The epistle lesson today speaks directly to this. And I know I'm scrolling through a lot of scripture with you, but it's not necessarily a bad thing either. 
Uh, Colossians chapter 2. We read it today, but I want to read it one more time just because it speaks very directly to this about truth. Okay? Chapter 2 and verse 6 and onward. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. There's a serious warning for us here that we need to really pay attention to. It's easy to be taken captive. Have any of you folks that are over 65 received a phone call from your grandchild somewhere in Europe that needs gas money or a plane ticket home? And you're like, wait a minute, my grandchild isn't in Europe. I talked to him yesterday. Sounds very real. And it pulls at your heartstrings. And it makes you want to do things a certain way. But it's fake. It's not the truth. Taken captive through philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition, elemental spirits of the universe. Basically, everything around us that are inputs that don't come from the Holy Spirit or the Word of God. Everything as a function of living in this world as we are called to be in it, but not of it. Elemental spirits. You ever wonder what that means? That's kind of an interesting phrase, and it's worth taking another quick look at here. There's two understandings out there about this. Uh, One is that they are worldly, non-Christian beliefs and values pervasive in our culture. And the other is that they are, in fact, demonic spirits tasked with leading us astray into these philosophies, empty deceits, and human traditions. See to it that you are not taken captive by these. Either way, as Christians, we must not follow the way and the teaching of the world. There's a scripture that I I lift up occasionally. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. We have the word of life given to us. We need to follow it. This is what we see happening all around us today. It's not a new thing. There have been philosophies and empty deceits throughout all history. And the church has gone through changes and challenges. And it is our turn to be faithful now. To hold the standard And to not let it drop. We are the generation that is called to stand for the truth. To safeguard what has been delivered to us. That it might with fidelity be delivered to the next generations. Is there a cost to standing for the truth? Yes. There always has been. Is there also, however, a cost to vacillating on the truth? Most assuredly. And I would submit that with the eternal implications of vacillating on the truth to this 
and future generations, the cost of that is far too high. We are in a time where we can no longer afford to let our faith be quiet, subdued, sedate, or on the back burner of our lives. We cannot afford to have a faith that stagnates one day into the next, to the next, to the next, where one week runs into another, and there's no evidence of change, and there's no evidence of empowerment, and life in the Spirit is just a daily grind. And we wonder why our lives and faith seem to lack that vitality, that vibrancy, and that power. The world and the culture are changing really fast. Happening very quickly. The day of Christ is drawing near. It's closer each day. And Jesus knew that we could not live without the Holy Spirit. We as a church and as individuals need to press in closer to the Lord, to repent of those things we have placed higher than Him in our lives, to seek Him with all of our hearts, to want to live into everything God has for us to walk in and earnestly desire to be invaded by the fire and the power of God. So when we say every Sunday, I believe in the Holy Spirit, at the very least, we are saying all of these things. He is the witness and the assurance of our salvation, the guarantee of our inheritance, the promise of what is to come. He is the empowerment and the equipping for service for everything that the church needs to come into the fullness of being the bride of Jesus Christ. He is the revealer of truth that quickens people's hearts to the truth of the word found in the Bible, without which there can be no saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He is the guard against heresy, and he is the one that provides the boldness for us to stand for what is true and what is right, especially when it isn't popular and when it stands to cost us something. We can trust that where God calls us, he will empower us, and where he leads us, he will enable us to be faithful. So, Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for this beginning of starting to look at the Holy Spirit. And in the weeks to come, I pray for each person here, Lord, that they would ask for that good gift of your Holy Spirit. That you would be able to work in power amongst us that you would have your way in our hearts and your way in this place, and that as we as a church walk the months and years ahead, that you would lead us and encourage us, empower and embolden us to with grace and love and with true faith follow you wherever you would lead. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.